Yeah, uh-huh, listen up, yeah, I can see you're new to this, you ain't got no job, you ain't got no experience, you're entry level, you ain't got no qualifications, baby, you're entry level. Your entry level, baby. Your entry level. Ooh, yeah. Yo, welcome to this week's episode of Entry Level. I'm here with Nick Turner. I would like to be called the Mad Dog. (laughs) You want to be called Mad Dog? Yes. Do you remember the episode of Seinfeld where George wants to be called T Bone? Yes. But the gorilla got it or something. <laughs> no, no. no then, another, then another guy, yeah. then another guy uh, he, they started calling him T-Bone. Right, because George ordered the T-Bone. And <laughs> yeah. then another guy was like, for lunch? That sounds good. I'll have the T-Bone. Yes. And then they start calling him And then they T-bone. called George Gorilla. Man. <laughs> what a show. I just watched the Mike and the Mad Dog 30 for 30. Oh, yeah? Now What's I'm that one? hopped up. It's about Mike and the Mad Dog. Uh, aren't those the like uh, radio guys? Yep. And they got a 30 for 30. Sports radio. They were the king of sports radio for decades. I got to watch it when I go home, I guess. You got to watch it. All right. Welcome to Mike and the Mad Dog. I'm Mike here with the Mad Dog. <laughs> we're talking entry level. Guess who we got this week, Nick? Tim Heidecker. We did. It's incredible. Listeners. Wait. You really got got him? Yeah, you'd guess correctly. <laughs> wow. Can you believe it? No, listeners, you did a fucking great job. I tweeted, who would you like to see on the podcast? You just like gave people, uh, and it really worked. Andy Wiggins was like, I'd love to see Tim Heidecker and Sam Richardson. Guess what? I hit them both up. They both said yes. So if you, you it's up to you who we book on this show. If you have a comedian you really want on, um, just like tweet, hey, also, Andy at this Wh- person, you should be on at Brooks Whelan's entry level, and then I will follow up and try to get them on. It works fantastic sorry i stepped on your pitch there i just wanted to see if andy wiggins could hook us up with wiley wiggins from dazed and confused we would love to hear wiley wiggins from dazed and confused hit him up you know what podcast i tried i was gonna go listen to but then i like talked myself out of it it was yes legion of skanks (laughs) (laughs) big crossover no it was um it was there was this podcast. It was like 20 years after Almost Famous, which is my favorite movie. Sure. And I think it's any 33-year-old man's favorite movie because you wish that you well, would. Anyone that. that loves Pearl Jam as much as yes, you yes, do. That's true. That's true. Oh, or, or the Almond Brothers. Uh, and um, But then I was like, oh, there's a season of this uh, where they go and they visit things that people are interested. The season before is what it's like to be a, in a week in Saturday Night Live. And they're like, we got access to the writer's room. I go, I hate this podcast. I don't want to be in any part of it it just gave me like just bad vibes wait what were they talking to you about though they didn't it was oh you were gonna listen to it i was gonna i was like oh a cool new podcast series and then the podcast was like we got an inside scoop test and i was like i don't want to hear anyone talk no (laughs) unless i'm talking to them not about the show but if they'd like to hit me up i do have inside scoop on (laughs) snl's uh most popular uh actor Brooks Wheelan. Really? So if anybody wants to hit me up, wants the inside info, hit me up. You know, guess who is the highest paid uh, Saturday Night Live cast member of all time? Of all time? Yes. The person who did the best. Will Ferrell. No. Robert Downey Jr. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. it's a little trick question. Yeah, because he was already a movie star. It's a little tricky question. Well, it's also. season. Well, he also uh, did Iron Man 1,100 times. And I think he makes quite a bit from those. Oh, I was. I thought you meant Before? while they were on the show. No, that had to have been Bill Crystal. Billy Crystal came in for a year when he was like a movie star. Yeah. Uh, unimportant. Unimportant. By my. them Christopher Guest as well. Yeah. Well, yep. Anyway, uh, and then you know I went on there famously from uh, literally from Adam Devine's house party, which hadn't uh-huh. aired yet, but they didn't know there was a star in the making. Um, okay, here we go. Adam Devine, yes, quite a star. <laughs> he was just in the making at the time, but I think he's undeniable. Uh, okay, before we get into the Tim Heidecker interview, I don't, I don't even think we need to. I think this episode's so hot already. We could push that for another episode. <laughs> okay. This one's just us riffing. Okay, okay. Well, I, we're doing it on Saturday because I'm leaving in the morning to go uh, camp on Anacampa. Anacampa. Anacampa, whatever. Um, it's on the Channel Islands. They're dropping us off and picking us up the next day. The whole idea is you get to kayak around it, and it sounded so fun. Had the kayak set up. It was incredible. It's for Gabrielle's birthday. And then I got a call yesterday. Hey, the swell's too big. You don't get to kayak. This is a treeless, shrubless rock island that we are just marooned on now for a day. So uh, hopefully we get off of it. Wait, so you were going to kayak, but now you have to like wait one day to kayak? No, now there's no kayaking at all. And we just, but I still, we still are camping and we got the boat ride there and the reservation. Oh, because you already got money in. Well, yeah. Because I, I really can't understand why you're still going. It's, it's, I mean, it's like backpacking. We have to like portage our own water. No, I know. understand the parts <laughs> that suck. <laughs> but the good part is not happening. Okay. But all the bad parts are still there. Mm-hmm. You yeah. can still portage your own water, whatever. <laughs> I'm not Googling that. No, okay, okay. Uh, so we don't even get to kayak, but we're using it to see how our new uh fully backpacking situation is because we are backpacking for my birthday in uh-huh. black canyon which uh-huh. is on the colorado river you get to kayak i said stuff. we should have boys weekend in vegas but <laughs> <laughs> I, I got voted down can you imagine boys weekend. i won't say where gab's works but she said that her boss McDonald's. was mcdonald's <laughs> She works at McDonald's. Uh, but she she was saying how um, her boss was loudly complaining about... This is last Coronavirus? Week. No, loudly complaining about how Vegas was boring that weekend. Oh, <laughs> that's as bad yes, as complaining as, about as, currently having coronavirus yeah, loudly. He was like, man, it just was like fucking... There was nothing going on. And she's like, Shut you're up. saying this out loud? Co- all trips are secrets. Yes, all trips are secrets. Secrets. Secret trips. I can talk about camping. I'm uh, I am fucking like you that is social yeah, distancing. That's the only trip you could talk you about. You can dri- you can talk about driving to places and staying outside. Any other trips are secrets. Anyway, I am going to Sturgis this weekend. <laughs> Is, is, isn't Sturgis happening this week? Yes, it's like it's like bigger than ever. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I think I saw the lineup. Like Trapped is playing. Oh good. <laughs> <laughs> they got the Chainsmokers well, are there. Oh god, let's look up. Let's look up. Oh, I don't have the internet on my fucking. What's it? What's it called? I'm, look, the, I'm looking up who's big, playing Sturgis right week? now. <laughs> I don't know. Oh man, they should they, they should um, 
they should have a Sturgis bubble like the NBA bubble. Uh, okay, Sturgis. You have to stay in Sturgis for two weeks before Sturgis. Before Sturgis. <laughs> and then stay two more weeks. Okay. Um, okay, this is what comes up when I typed in Sturgis bands. Sure. Uh, event information may be out of date due to coronavirus. Mm. Um, okay, 80th annual 2020 Sturgis motorcycle rally. Yikesy, mikesy. Uh, I'm clicking on it. I'm waiting for it. Um, in the meantime, I really liked our um, our Patreon that we had this week where Nick and I said who we wanted the new Ellen to be. Yeah, did that ever happen? Did they have not new- replaced okay. Ellen yet. No, but my replacement for Ellen, yeah. where he still has to be as happy uh-huh. and he still has he still has to like dance before is Steve Wilkos. Sure. Uh, yours Go ahead and tell the listeners. Um, Ghislaine Maxwell from prison is the host, (laughs) but her sidekick, who almost never talks, um, it's just, if he ever talks, it's just to ask permission, uh, is is Prince Andrew, and he's the only person in the studio, and the audience is filled with teenage girls. (laughs) That's what, your dream to replace Ellen. I think it would be good, and he has to legally change his name to Ellen, Prince Ellen. (laughs) Disgraced Prince Ellen. Uh, it's not coming up. Who's playing Sturgis? It doesn't oh, good. fucking matter. I, does, I don't think it comes up. Uh, yeah. My phone was like, my phone is worried about getting coronavirus. Yeah. It goes, don't even put me near this website. Um, it was like, why do you keep Googling Ted Nugent concerts? <laughs> okay. Guys, we got great listener mail this week, but I do want to shame you slightly from, uh, I gave a big announcement. Bill Burr episode, very much listened to. I asked for carny information. Somebody listening right now has worked at a carnival. I'd love e- an email about it. I want to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, look, if any of you have both worked at a carnival and somehow gotten your hands on an iPod, <laughs> we want to talk to you. Yeah, maybe maybe this isn't a real carny, like, heavy uh, podcast idea. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe no one listening knows what the Sturgis bike rally is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. We should actually interview uh, people at Sturgis. Then we're going to get some carny listeners. And then they'll fill me in on what it's like to go from town to town oh, in a carnival. You should have Sturgill Simpson on the show. I would love. The, yes, he's the opposite of Sturgis. Uh, I would love to. Very cool guy. Um, but. We got great listener mail this week. This is from a job you don't really think about, but it exists. This is uh, a great one. If you have a story. Wait, before, before we get into it, I do. I, I found the band. Oh, you found the band? Okay, um, so your phone is going to need a self-quarantine. It's the Guess Who. The Guess Who. Okay. Adelita's Way. Mm-hmm. This guy, this guy's just a beard. <laughs> what? Uh, he doesn't have a name. <laughs> okay. Uh, Cha- Chancy Williams. All right. Chaunce. Trapped. I no, know Trapped would be there. It's Chancy. There's no you. Oh, okay. Trapped. Trapped. Col- Colt Ford. Royal Bliss. <laughs> Fozzie. Fozzie. Night Ranger. Oh, Kenny my- Wayne Shepard. Fame on Fire. Okay. Whitney Morgan. Uh, Buck Cherry. Buck Cherry. Saliva. Saliva. Drowning Pool. Lit. This is, they got everything. Yo, this is hot. <laughs> we this gotta, is a fire lineup. <laughs> we need to get to Jackal. Dude. Quiet Riot. What? Reverend Horton Heat. Bone Thugs. Bone Thugs and Harmony is there? Oh, Dude. I'm fainting. Bone Thugs. Fuck the I bet channel. a lot of those people didn't show up. Fuck the Channel Islands. <laughs> I'm going to Sturgis right now. 
Oh man, that's man. exciting. Saliva. Do you remember saliva? I remember lit, dude. Lit. I fucking played lit out. Isn't lit the one that's like I'm on a train it, with it, cocaine? Uh, I make you, yo, you make me come. You make me complete. You make what? me completely miserable. <laughs> Wait, was that? That's one of their I'm hot like, ones. What was this? You make me come. You make me complete. Yeah. You make me completely, completely come. <laughs> <laughs> it just goes back. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, Tricked you. I, I no, thought it was, it was. Oh, it's something else? No, it was. Okay. It was. It was. <laughs> Who plays I'm on a train with cocaine? I feel like that's Buck Cherry. Okay, guys, for this next chorus, masks off. <laughs> hey, what if Sturgis is here implements the kissing cam? <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're on the kissing cam. Oh, uh, two bikers. Oh, I'm getting oh, a good laugh. Oh, boy, all right. Uh, man, this is a great episode already. We still got a Tim I'm telling interview. you, push him. <laughs> We got okay, so we got great listener mail. If you want your emails read, and if you were ever a carny or know a carny, email in entry level with brooksweeletgmail.com, and I would appreciate it. This one is from Aaron, um, Aaron Single, and she says, uh, I'm a nurse practitioner and used to work for a hospi- hospice company in BFE, Missouri. I don't know what BFE, Missouri means, but fuck any everywhere, Missouri. I don't know, who knows. Often I got called to. Go see a patient just to confirm demise and pronounce death, which you don't think about that. That's people's job is they have to go somewhere and be like, this is a dead person. Mm, I never mm. thought about that job. Uh, I got called to a nursing home for such an occasion. The patient had just passed out and was surrounded by family members. The patient had COPD. I don't know what that means. Copped. Copped? I don't know. Yeah, you didn't. I didn't think you did. And still had on his supplemental oxygen. I listened for absence of breath sounds and pulse. Confirmed expiration, pronounced time of death, and shut off the oxygen. That's when he took another big, quote-unquote, breath. His family was elated that he was, quote-unquote, back. Chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Okay, there we go. Um, I understand that, uh, Aaron, you want to you, you wanna not type that out? But next time, I'm going to need you to type that out. <laughs> uh, talk to me like I'm not a doctor. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. But talk to me like I'm just a scientist. And also, she's saying O2 instead of oxygen. And I'm doing my job as a person yeah. talking to non-doctors. That one I did know. Saying oxygen. <laughs> that one you did. You were, you were familiar with it? Okay. So, so he has this breath, quote unquote. Uh, she goes, sorry, sorry, folks. This is a one-way journey. Um, so apparently this happens. After you take the oxygen off, though, like, or whatever. I don't fucking know. Um, the family excitedly told me to turn back his oxygen on while I was attempting to explain to them that he was, in fact, dead. And that COPD, she used it again, folks, are hyper uh, sapnic. Explain these things. <laughs> And it was, and it was, uh, it was just uh, that the retained carbon dioxide that was being expelled, not his resurrection. They were not having that. His family was like, "No, that was a breath. He's not dead. Turn his oxygen back on." So, and again, um, so I turned back on the oxygen, and I would quote unquote show them, and they'd learn a neat physiological lesson. And again, listened for the absence of life, and again said. He's dead, y'all. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> Jesus. Yeah. This should not be such a conversation. Right, right. Then turn off the oxygen. He had a small, quote unquote, breath. Jubilation resumed. The family's like, he's your, back again. Your honor, you have to admit, the man is breathing. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all, he dead. No, he not. No, he not. Um, I again tried to. So this woman is just being like, he's fucking dead. And they're like, but he keeps breathing. She's like, he breathes when I turn the oxygen thing on, but he's not really there. Uh, I again tried to explain some science uh, shit to the fam. Uh, I told them I would not be turning the oxygen back on. Can you imagine that? Like, they're like, he might not be dead. You're like, I'm not going to try to even get him back to life. You're making me mad. Yeah, just turn it on and leave and quit and go back to school. Well, it sounds like she went to school. <laughs> go to a different school. Like Ivanka Trump said, find something new. Oh, my God. What a treat. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. She said. She then goes, I would not. Uh, I offered them my stethoscope. I mean, she says he's cold by now. So he's lifeless and cold. <laughs> Uh, to prove there was no life. Finally, we all did come to an agreement that he was dead. Uh huh. And sign here is he, you all agree he's dead? Yeah, yeah. It's just so funny <laughs> you had to be like, look, look, he's dead. He's not. He's not. Okay, guys, we really gotta. I have other stuff to do. All right, all right. Uh, Marge, can you get my textbooks out of the car? <laughs> uh, but I didn't even think about how that's a job. How you have to go be like, that's a dead guy. Sorry, dead, dead guy. Uh, and then she ended it with glad you and Nikki T are back together. So am I, Nick. Is, uh, oh yeah, me too. Is, uh, um, oh, it didn't seem like you really meant Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, it's great. <laughs> hmm, okay. <laughs> I had something, I was going to transition to something, but now I forgot. Yes, it's, it's good to be back. I'll see you, uh, and, and every, uh, soon. Okay, what is your favorite, before we get into the Tim Heidecker interview, yeah. and guys, please tweet at, I was trying to get Obama on this fucking thing, I was trying to get Sandler. Well, I, you know he's um, probably not doing as many podcasts now that he's not trying to get stuff passed. Who, Obama? He was only doing podcasts and videos because uh, just trying to well, like look, gin up goodwill for the healthcare. I understand, but the man had some jobs I'm sure he'd like to talk about, Okay. He oh, wasn't yeah. always. Community organizer? I bet there's a story there. <laughs> I bet that he loves coming real clean with all how bad he oh, used sure, to. Oh, sure, sure. What if it, do we do? <laughs> imagine if it, his job that he talked about was being president. He's like, and man, I, I didn't stole? do stole? Uh, yeah, yeah. I stole everything. <laughs> <laughs> On my way out, staplers. In all, that's why I wore cargo pants to fucking Trump's inauguration. <laughs> filled with stationery. On day one, I found out everything Bush said was right, <laughs> and I gave up. <laughs> I would eat. No, I would. I no, I couldn't have Trump on. Did you watch the Axios interview? It was insane. Of I, course, I, it was fucking. It's I, pretty incredible. I almost said I would have him on just to just to be like, what is it? But then I realized he, I wouldn't get a word in, and it would be a fucking nightmare. Yeah, it, I wouldn't want to have him on my podcast. It's so hard, like. Watch the Axios interview. It's so hard for the other, the interviewer, the guy who's there is not to just be like, are you fucking stupid? Like, I don't know how you could have a conversation with him and not be like, you are dumb. Well, he did that. I mean, he, he's, he did, he went further than most people go. Exactly. But I'm just like, just yell, what dude, shut the fuck up. You're nuts. Anyway, uh, this is quite the long. That's why you are not a journalist. This is my interview. Great comedians that I admire, uh, like Tim Heidecker. What's your favorite Tim Heidecker um, project? Because he's made two um, You know what? It's probably Tim and Eric. Do you know that one? I actually never watched Tim and Eric. 
Wow. I never did. It's Gabs's favorite did, thing. Did you come clean to him? I told him that I was an Aqua Teen Hunger Force guy, but Gabs was a Tim and Eric, and that's our generational difference. Um, but the thing that I gush, and I'm sorry, it's not even an interview. The last 10 minutes of this- Mr. Of, America. Of me talking to Tim is about Mr. America. Yeah. And how I thought it was the fucking coolest thing I'd ever yeah. seen. And I still believe it. It's such a good fucking movie. It was incredible. All right. Yep. Well, let's do it. <laughs> Guys, if you want to subscribe to the Patreon, it really helps support this podcast. And uh, also, you get fun, fun, uh, whatever this is, the banter. That's just what that is once a week. I tell you, science is coming over, and he uh, is my, my friend. Uh, we uh, we always have a Tim and Eric joke um, that when they sing, uh, what's your dad like? Or talk about your dad. <laughs> I want to meet that dad. <laughs> and we just say that over and over. I love, I gotta see, I look, I, maybe I should check into this Tim and Eric stuff. You will really <laughs> enjoy this interview with Tim Heidecker. He's got a great podcast. Check that out. Listen to Get Rich Nick. The mugs are for sale, baby. Get those mugs. Subscribe to the Patreon. And otherwise... Have a great fucking week. Oh, also, maybe check out my Instagram because I'm going to be coming in hot with those Channel Island picks. Hey, welcome to this week's episode of Entry Level. I'm here with Tim Heidecker. Tim, what's up, man? Hey, uh, TGIF. It, yeah, exactly. Uh, this comes out on Monday, so that won't make as much sense, but we are recording on a Friday. Uh, it was a Friday almost every week. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I never even thought about that. Um, how's it going, man? What do you got going on for this weekend? Oh, well, um, I don't know. We have, I've got two kids, and it's usually just a, uh, sort of hiding from them. <laughs> My mom is coming to spend some time with them, and then, uh, yeah, I think we'll try to go see a couple friends in their backyard, do a little social distance uh, visiting. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking about going to a... Um I'm flying to Texas to go to a packed movie theater. No, good. Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, uh, I'm, I'm sure people know who you are, but I am uh, a big fan and, uh, and you're very cool for being on the podcast. We have a mutual uh, good friend who creates nice outdoor activities, Doug Pound. Oh, yeah. I love Doug Pound, Doug Lusenhop, known him over 15 years now something like that he just, uh, but he yeah we i get to see him once a week uh during the, our podcast office hours and yeah he's the best yeah he just set up a really nice uh like um re- uh, tubing trip oh last last weekend did you go on that yeah it was really fun it was uh, great again with my children these are things i would love to be able to do <laughs> That way. How old are your kids? Um, twenty-three and <laughs> no, they're three and six. Cool, three. man. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, cool, man. Well, th- uh, this podcast is just about all the all the terrible jobs you did before yeah. you became a comedian, man. So uh, I guess let's just get into it, Tim. Where where are you from, and what was your first job? Well, I um, am from Allentown, Pennsylvania which is about the Billy Joel song. That's usually how people know about it. It's, I uh, actually know about it. It's, they're really good at uh, wrestling. Are they? Yeah, like um, high school wrestling is really good there. Oh, okay. Well, I did wrestle. I mean, that's mainly how I made my money. I wrestled <laughs> as, a, as a small boy uh, for money. But no, yeah, I, uh, it's, it's just a, it's a northeastern Pennsylvania 
uh, about an hour outside of Philadelphia, about two hours from New York, very Pennsylvania Dutch, uh, kind of old steel town. Right. Um, I, f- I feel like I've done a show there, but I don't know. It, Bethlehem it, is also right now. It's sort of Beth- Alan Bethlehem is sort of their twin city there. Yeah, because I did steelworks at Bethlehem. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. That's on a, on the grounds of the old steel mill that is decommissioned or whatever. It was really off. cool. Yeah, it is neat. Yeah, I remember right before. Um, not not to make this about me, but right be- like literally right before I walked on at Steelworks. I had shot a pilot for ABC, like some terrible pilot, but you do the math in your head uh-huh. of how much you're going to, I'm going to be a millionaire tomorrow. Right. And like right before I walked on, they were like, yeah, it's not, it's, you, you didn't get picked up. And then they're like, and uh-huh. here's Brooks. And then I, <laughs> I was like, Hey, how's everybody? I have to really be careful. Like when I have my phone on or when I have like, yeah. Cause you know, uh, all I've been doing lately is my podcast, but I have to, like I have to turn off notifications and not look at my phone because I that's that's my fear is you get some some alert and it's some bad news that just, like, <laughs> throws you off your game. Yeah, um, but unimportant. So you grew up in Allentown, which is like a weird, cool, like very Pennsylvania area. Very lots of the uh, Dutch, um, like the farmhouses with the the I can't remember what it's called, but they have like a. Unt- they all have their own sort of uh, sig- um, painting. Uh, what's it called? I, whatever. It doesn't matter. I didn't grow up in, like in the farm in the rural. You yeah, we- grew up in one of those barns, and now you're mad that was your window. You can't remember. I have the the beard with the no mustache, uh, <laughs> buggy, and everything. No, we we had a pretty classic uh, suburban. My dad had a Ford dealership. Uh, really? My dad sold, fo- my dad managed a Ford dealership. Really? And so I remember getting in arguments in like third grade of like Ford's better than Chevy. Yeah, me, too. me too. Yeah. We had a total <laughs> allegiance to a stupid allegiance to Ford. Yeah. To a anti-Semitic racist maniac. Yes, totally. <laughs> and I'm like, he's number Chevy one. Sucks. Chevy sucks. That was totally somehow drilled into us. Yeah, no, I forget, I forget like, um, there was, like, because uh, when I was growing up, it was, Chevy was like a rock. Yeah. I remember, this is, dude, this is triggering shit I forgot about. But it was, like, <laughs> it was, like, Chevy, like a rock, and it's going to be, like, like a rock, it, it doesn't move. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It'll float to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. It was pretty fun, I guess, to grow up, because, you you know, you'd go to my dad's uh, dealership, and there would be the you know the back area with all where the serv- the service area where all the the mechanics would be and the candy oh. machine and you know like yeah my dad is like um the one he is you know so so on uh inter- the entertainment business but like the one thing that i think his best idea is it's like write a car dealership television show i dude we have to we'll have to talk about this because i've been thinking about that for a long time because it's bananas you have the salesman you have the management and then you have the mechanics and they're all looney tunes yeah well what i think is i mean i don't want to give away a show idea here but the 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 era that which i grew up and my dad and his brother and his father were running the dealership was a very difficult time to have a car dealership it was the 80s and there was the oil embargo and there's foreign 
you know, the Japanese cars were starting to come in and be cheaper. And, uh, and they were running this Ford dealership with like the Pinto. The Pinto was this famous flop of a car that like exploded. When, <laughs> yeah, it like, would like blow up. It was, it was oh. really stressful. Like, you know, there was, the margins were always very thin and you're dealing with all these erratic weirdo guys that are car deal, car salesmen, you know, like. Yeah, not- my, da- my dad was like, being a car salesman is the only job you need no qualifications for. Yeah, you just do like a little re- reading up on the car and then walk around the showroom. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, if you're coming into a car dealership, you know, you're, you know what's out. You've done your research. It's like, how much bullshitting can you do? Right, exactly. Uh, I, I remember, um, oh, dude. One time, so I worked at my dad's car dealership because I got fired from a construction job and he was just like, you should work somewhere. So I just washed cars there and I would get high before I went in. And one time I got really stoned because I'm just washing cars. And I don't know if your dad ever had one of these, um, you know, like uh, big sales or what, like, uh, like, but they would drive the cars into the mall. Oh, yeah. We never did that, that I know of. Okay. Well, we, we, we did one time where I, I showed up so high because I'm just going to wash cars this day. And yeah. then my dad's like, hey, we're going to move some cars into the mall. Oh, so <laughs> I'm just stoned out of my mind driving, driving through a not closed mall. Right. People are shopping. The brothers. Oh, sorry. My cat just jumped on my goddamn computer. Uh, the what? Sorry. But suddenly you're in the Blues Brothers. Driving. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But a very scared, not cool version. <laughs> uh, uh, can, I th- can I just think about what my first job was? Yeah, uh, sorry, sorry. No, I mean, there were, I'd probably had a couple. Um, I had a, definitely was a busboy at the local uh, family restaurant uh, for a few months. Like, uh, a, like a restaurant that has no... Um, like identity it's like you want pancakes or do you want steaks what do you Uh, want um i think it had identity it was called the brass rail and it was it was you know they did it's hard to say a diner it's like one step up from a diner it had okay it was a little darker it had a bar they made really good cheese steaks they had you know but you'd get like a the fanciest thing in the menu might have been like manicotti or like a sirloin steak you know basically like a hamburger <laughs> and they had like soup and cl- club sandwiches and that kind of stuff. It was greasy, like you know, but it was good. Is I, it still there? Yeah, I believe it's still there. They got? Do they have a Tim Heidecker used to work here? You and your old busboy outfit? I think so. They're na- they were not nice people that ran the <laughs> place. I have to say, there were there was there, there was a it was also a collection of there's a number of uh, waitresses there that I'm not making this up. One of the waitresses' names was Dorcas. I swear to God. And my sister, my fans, we would just talk about that all the time. Her name was Dorcas. And then another one's name was Bimby. So she had Dorcas and Bimby. Okay. And, you know, I don't know. They, they, everyone was pretty nice to me, I guess. But um, I was like 15. And I remember one thing I remember about it was I just started smoking, you know, because that was what you do when you're 15 and living mm-hmm. in Allentown. And it's the early 90s. And uh, I would i was just and also you could smoke everywhere right so the, i mean they right. had like a smoking section but and i would work and then i'd have like my meal time and i would get like a, a cheesesteak or something and i remember being in this down in the storeroom or whatever and 
eating and smoking at the same time because that was like my <laughs> time to break. And uh, I remember feeling like, like a, you know, a, an older waitress coming by and be like, like, oh, you like just pointing out that that's not what you're supposed to do. You eat, then you smoke, you know? <laughs> it wasn't don't, it wasn't don't smoke. She's like, you finish the burger exactly. and you smoke. Then you smoke and you think about how good that sirloin was. Yeah. But uh, I, I think before that job, I might've won the year summer before that. I think there was an amusement park in Allentown called uh, Dorney Park. And it was uh, like a Six Flags kind of. Okay. You know, uh, independent though and um they had in the middle of the park was this like uh every 20 minutes some kind of like knights and knights of the round table kind of sh interactive show right like a low rent um whatever the the gosh dang it where you go eat and people yeah and stuff. but it was like it was yeah a little castle and they had all these costumes and people would come and they would dress the kids up and then they would kind of like direct them to put on this show. Okay. And uh, I did that for summer and I was sort of like hey, a helper. You, so were you in the show or you were helping? I was, not even in the show. I was just kind of like, uh, like giving people their swords or giving people their cut their wizard hats and stuff, you know? Okay. okay. But I remember the thing I remember about that is, you know, you would be back, you'd be backstage quote unquote, which was just like in this little, room of a fake castle and uh and the the couple that ran it was it was this guy and he kind of looked like he was from a renaissance fair he had that the page boy bowl cut the mustache and like wore the shirt with the open you know with the open collar uh you know that was just like the way he looked normally but his wife looked like like he must have been maybe in his forties or something. Um, but his wife was like in her seventies and she had like this long white, like long white uh, hair. She looked kind of like a witch, you know, like she looked yeah. like older. She looked like a witch who'd gotten away with it. Yeah. Like a good witch maybe. Yeah. Just yeah. Like, but that relationship was for a 14 year old or something was very perplexing, very <laughs> mysterious that this cup, this like very giant age gap was going on uh but so you're just like giving people swords and like like how did you get that job yeah uh boy i think there was always the i mean that was what every kid did in that town was you went and uh applied for a job at dorney park because that okay. uh you know whether you ran the rides or you ran a food thing and i guess it must have come out of that yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, it was just like you got the. I think it meant you got the free pass to go t into the park. Okay, yeah, we had a similar one. I grew up in Iowa, but it, this backfired very badly. Uh, it was a cave. It was Crystal Lake Cave, and I, I thought it'd be so cool to be a tour guide there. It was a goddamn nightmare. Yeah, I was it because because of the the claustrophobia. Like, it's because it was a full tourist trap, right. and I've talked about it. Too much. People who listen to this podcast are like, shut yeah. the fuck up, I'm sure. Yeah. But like, it was a cave. It was presented as a good cave. And then I was the tour guide. You'd pay your money. And then you'd walk down the stairs and a 15-year-old would have to be like, sorry, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did it recently, This just a few weeks ago. My sister lives up in Montana, uh, in, in Butte, Montana, which is a big mining town. Mm -hmm. And um, 
Oh, let me do, you don't, you don't want to hear those bings and bongs. That's fine. My cat is just rattling things all over this place. Uh, yeah. And, um, and I, there was, there's a big old mining town. So they have this tour of a, of an old mining, uh, shaft, I guess. And, uh, long story short, I got, I decided to go on this tour with my six-year-old daughter and about five minutes into, and it was like, somehow at the beginning of this tour, I find out it's an hour and a half. Of- <laughs> it's a guided tour with this one guy who's like a geology you know like getting his master's degree in geology it's like 23 year old kid and like it's it was like within five minutes it's like should not have done this i should not <laughs> okay imagine down a shaft and it's dark and cold and wet and i'm not interested i don't care right okay like, so imagine that at least he's a 23-year-old geology student. He's not a 15-year-old angry, <laughs> angry high schooler. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, okay. But so you worked there. Is that, is that place still rocking and rolling? I think, yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, not, probably not right now. <laughs> what if it was? I don't think yeah, they're just letting it all pass through. That's where all the herd immunity is happening. At yes. Exactly. Water park too. Uh, it was great. I mean, I could literally walk to Dorney Park. Uh, it'd be about fifteen minute walk, twenty minute walk to go to that park, and it was just you know you'd get the season pass and you'd go on all the roller coasters and the water park and everything. Do they have any loop de loops? Yeah. Later, as I was a little, I think they introduced those those uh, loop those loop de loops towards the end of. Yeah. Uh, childhood but. there was uh, a place called Adventureland and they had one ride called the outlaw and it was a it was a nightmare you would break your neck on it it was like America's like largest wooden roller coaster but it should have been called America's worst real wooden roller coaster <laughs> a, real, a real rattler <laughs> yeah and it would just crank your neck but then they got the double dragon and that's a double loop-de-loop you went yep. for that double dragon yep that's the good stuff yeah, it was a deal. It was good. I like. I, I I would love to go back there actually with my kids. It would be something I should I should probably do fairly soon. Yeah, yeah I want to go back to the cave and just take a bat in there and just really tear it up, <laughs> or just uh, get boards and a hammer and close her up. Oh, that sounds like a great idea. I, I'm sure the government's already done it. Okay, so uh, so you're doing that in in high school. Um, what what else is going on in Allentown? Are you are do you have, do you have any other like mall jobs or anything? I did a summer, I think, I'm try, I think uh, the next summer, or I guess we did, we, we kind of went out of order here. I think the very first job was that, that weird castle job, uh, Dungeons and Dragons job. Then, the, then there was a summer of waiting tables, or not waiting tables, busing tables. Mm-hmm. I also did some dishwashing at a different family restaurant that summer. Uh, I, that's just the worst. Um, yeah, no, I, I've interviewed a lot of people and they're like if busing serving suck dishwashing way worse yeah and i, I this was at another family restaurant it had a lot of grease and you know you just i remember just kind of an end of the night having this like kind of grease uh f- like film like a skin of grease on my arms all the way up to my my like show almost you know to my sleeve line and also just like the cleaning up at like the dishwashing is bad enough, but then the end of the night cleaning of the kitchen that you had to do was just really um, 
terrible. It's just something I'm not designed. I'm not built to, uh, to do. I just, no, thank you. Yeah. No way. I'm just like, we're, we're, we're going to open tomorrow. Like, cause yeah, I worked at a Papa John's. They're like, just like the fact that they're like, all right, we need to clean up. I'm like, we're open in 10 hours. It's going to yeah. be fine. <laughs> yeah. And then the manager who's like, you feel bad for that guy or that woman. But in my case was probably some, you know, angry guy didn't want to be doing it either. And he had to just like kind of come down on me and like, oh, man. man, you got to just look at there's You got to do this all over again. Right. Exactly. My first day at Papa John's, uh, I didn't know what I was doing, but I, I, you know, put in a works pizza and the works pizza got made. And then somebody called and canceled the works pizza. I said, okie dokie. I canceled yeah. it. And then it came out and I'm, 16 and yeah. it's my first day and the guy's like where's the works pizza box and i was like oh they canceled it and he threw the whole pizza against the wall <laughs> <laughs> so much rage yeah it's just like oh man i i don't know about this job yeah yeah uh, uh okay summer after that i think i did uh, my dad had a friend who an old friend who was building his own house who had a uh he was a contractor and he was building his house uh and there and i did a summer where i was kind of like the low man on the totem pole of a kind of construction crew but they right. they were pretty much like the house was about 90 percent done they were i was doing a lot of painting and a lot of like odd job kind you of. were the i did it too the gopher yeah i was low yeah and that again another i'm just not my people think I have this crazy work ethic because I, 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 you make you make a lot of stuff you like. I make a lot of stuff, I like, but I when it comes to like paint this wall, it's not it's not a it's not a place not a happy place for me to go. It's a, and I don't do a good job, and I crap out early on it, and I yeah. just and I, and I just hate every second of it. You know that thing? I mean, I think I've seen this in movies, but that thing where I'd be like, I think I saw this in The Sopranos, but it was. Um, I really would do this. I'd be like, okay, don't look at the clock. Don't look at the clock. Uh, you know, because if I look at the clock, it's going to be so depressing because, you know, we're, I want to get to lunch, you know, and, and so be like, don't look, all right, I'm going to look at the clock now and it's going to be 1130, you know, and I look at the clock and it's 1020 or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's devastating. Yeah. I yeah. remember that one because the only thing kind of fun about that memory was, uh, you know, I, I remember sort of paying attention to the OJ Simpson story that summer. That was like the trial of OJ Simpson. So right. Sort of a thing to like put on the news or the, you know, whatever, whatever was on the radio and like kind of just lose myself in thinking about that situation. Yeah. I, the guys had a strict, when I worked construction, they would only listen to country and then they would leave and I would have brought my lunch yeah. and they would go, drink at a bar instead of eating lunch and then i would eat my terrible sandwich and i would turn the radio to uh rock 108 you know so uh -huh. i could hear some led zeppelin yeah, or yeah. whatever and they would come back furious i had touched their radio <laughs> while they were gone oh man yeah that was uh i'm leaving and they were they're like you're fired no problem uh, I, one thing I, other thing I remember about that job was the guy, the late lead contractor was a really nice guy, an older guy, kind of like a, like if you would, you would peg him, no pun intended as a carpenter. He kind of had that kind of quiet 
seriousness to him, I guess. But but I do remember he had this awkward thing. He was very awkward uh, and uncomfortable around other people, I think. And he would do that thing where he would laugh after everything he said. <laughs> that kind of nervous, like yeah. Uh, thanks for thanks for letting me do the show today. <laughs> yeah, it, was like, <laughs> it was really fun. <laughs> I kind of. <laughs> And it just got to that, would get to that tick, that, that thing that would like annoy me uh, to hear because I knew it was coming. Right. Yes. Yeah. Just, oh boy. So how long did, so that sounds like a summer, summer, summer gig. jobs. Yeah. I don't really think I, in high school, I think I was lucky that I didn't have to have some kind of job while I was in high school, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So then um, where did you go after high school? Like when did you start making stuff? Cause you made stuff like really early. Uh, not as early as you think. I, I went to film school, met Eric in film school at Temple University in Philadelphia, and we made some stuff in college. We go, made, uh, go Cosby, right? Yes, I'm a, I'm a big free Cosby guy. Uh, <laughs> he actually did, no, thank you for laughing. He did speak at our, uh, our graduation. He's, I think he speaks, I've met a bunch of people from Temple, and they're like, he's, he was very around. Yes, very around. I, I didn't see him besides that one time, but... Um, I think there's, I think he had clones or something because other people have said, oh yeah, he did my school too. And, but uh, that, that's sort of his, uh, that's his shtick, but. Uh, good guy, good guy. Just all around good guy. <laughs> um, I just, you know who I, you know how I feel? I, I feel bad for all of the other people. I feel bad for all of the victims that he raped. Uh, but I also feel bad for all the other people in the Cosby show that they're like, that was how I was living. Yeah. Now it's gone. Well, um, I that was. I think some time had passed. I think. I think well, no, but I'm saying like residuals. Right. Like oh, it, right. Because they're they're not playing on like TV Land or something. Yeah, it's probably not. Hey, it's Cosby Month anymore. You right. know. <laughs> <laughs> I did an impression. I mean, everyone can do a Bill Cosby impression, but I enjoyed doing like Bill Cosby in jail. Like, you got the tin cup. <laughs> and the bread and the water and the drop the soap and say uh, uh, what a bad guy <laughs> but anyways um, so you went to Temple to study film that's correct um, but and you know we made some stuff I did a I worked I did work a, on campus doing like fundraising calls you know you call and ask alumni for money right i have it saved in my phone as iowa do not answer <laughs> yeah i feel bad because i probably could i could probably give some money to my alma mater that would probably be the a responsible thing to do no nah, man you gave him a lot of money to go there. and cool i mean like you know it wasn't it's not a actually we you know i was lucky my we it was not a very expensive school because it was a state school and i didn't have to do like student loans or anything like that Right. No, it's very similar with me. Um, yeah, just pay, got to pay it all off like within a year or two. Uh, but like at the same time, I think you just speaking positively about Temple is your donation. There you go. Yes. Um, but and then uh, towards the end of college, I got I would I got another Wait, job. Oh, quick question. Did do you have anybody ever have meltdowns on you when you called and asked for donations? They're like, are you kidding? I don't think. No, I don't. Oh. I, all I remember is like having some fun friend uh, fun friends or funny friends working with me and a lot i think a lot of the time we were we were sort of doing some prank we were doing a lot of prank phone calls actually <laughs> using the time to 
to develop our comedic voice. You know? Well, you were calling, calling people for your job and pranking them. I think so. I remember, like, I, I don't know if we we're doing it constantly or anything, but I think we would take some time out of our day to make sure we got in some just fun prank phone calls, not related yeah. to the university, just like, oh, hey, this is Casey Case I'm calling. Uh, <laughs> I would, I would, uh, people would call Papa John's to order pizza and I would prank them. I, I would, would act. I would do, I would take a pizza job just to do that like a couple hours a day. Yeah, it was like, it, you know, it's not, I was 16, but they would, they would call and I would just act like an old Asian man and go, hello? Yeah, and yeah. they were like, is this Papa John's? I go, he didn't know Olivia. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd be like, what? I'm like, stop calling. And yeah. then my boss, uh, yeah. he not, got very, a, very angry. Job. Yeah, no, not, not, doesn't fly anymore. Um, it shouldn't have flown then either way. So you go to college, you're learning film, you meet Eric. Yeah. Um, we lived together as roommates in a townhouse in South Philly and mostly like the, so the two other jobs I had in college then would have been, uh, one was I, again, I was, I don't, I don't know why I say again, cause I didn't say this yet, but, um, comedy wasn't on my mind really. Like, I, okay. I mean, I loved comedy. Um, I was a huge, always, always grew up watching, you know, Three Stooges and Airplane and all that stuff. I loved it. I just never thought I would be do it. I would do it. I just thought like, I was kind of into acting. I was into creative stuff and writing and film. And I thought, you know, I would be, learn how to make movies or be in that world somehow. I mean, I, I, I just didn't think of myself as like a stand-up comedian, I guess. And there really wasn't the internet. You know, obviously there wasn't like, the landscape has changed so much now. Of course, of course. When I thought about comedy, I just thought about like Seinfeld, you know? Like, yeah. I'm not going to do that. That's not interesting to me or I'm not good at that. But um, but I got a job in Philly at a comedy club. Um, again, just working in the kitchen, making like uh, wings and nachos. Dude, I worked in a comedy club. I what? Yeah, I I was the bartender lights guy. And we've had, yeah. In in in, uh, in Iowa. Iowa, Cedar Rapids, Peng it was Penguins. Yeah, it was what it was called. Well, that yeah, that was not a. F I mean, I didn't even get. To, I didn't. I never got to see any of the acts because I was always. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, I, n I never really watched anything. I think I I think I peeked my head in a couple times, but you know, it was that circuit. It was kind of that uh, comedy. What would what would a, a cl uh, franchise be? It was just like a couldn't be more like Dom Herrera and. Jackie the Joke Man Martling. Right. So it was just kind of like, oh, who gives a shit? Like, yeah, tour. Something to do on a weekend night. To yeah. Kind of thing. Ugh. Um, I didn't really, yeah. It, again, it felt so, now I can say again appropriately, but it felt, I was no interest. I was like, I didn't, I wasn't there because I wanted to learn the craft. Mm -hmm. I liked comedy, of course, again, but uh, I just was like, it's, my, it's a job. And I also, I think I did the thing where I was handing out flyers on the street too. And that, that was kind of fun. Cause that was a little bit like performing, you know? Oh yeah. Okay. Cause yeah, they, you have to, I mean, you, I never had to do it. Uh, but a lot of my friends did it in New York where they were barking. Yeah. Where it's like, Hey, mm -hmm. uh, and, and it's just like, well, I, I'm sure it was different where your comedy club, but in New York, it's like Tina Fey might be here tonight. And it's like, she doesn't even fucking do stand up. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. We were, we would, definitely make false promises yes yes yeah uh, and i remember having to go like it was just gross because these you're making chicken wing you're making buffalo wings in uh 
in a, with a, basically a microwave. And I would have to go to this other bar that was, had a relationship with the comedy club, like three blocks away. And it was like one of these shitty South street, uh, just shitty bar like dirty and everything and they would i would get a bucket a giant bucket of wings from them and then walk that three blocks up south of a busy south street yeah just sort of opened like, opened uncooked wings yeah 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 and then then you just like slather on hot the sauce and then microwave it and oh my god tips would have just been chips and and uh cheese and salsa in the microwave so yeah, yeah. It, was, it was uh and then i got after after that i got a job at a restaurant a nice restaurant in philly called uh beaumont that was just opening and they, we they we kind of were across the street from where we lived caddy corner and i walked in there as they were still like putting up you know finishing building the restaurant and that was this french creperie and the owners were these two gay guys, um, and they were just like the coolest guys. They were really one. The, the one guy was from uh, somewhere in South America, and he was an artist, like a really good artist. And the other guy was had been a filmmaker or had made some films, and they were really cool, really smart. They hired a bunch of really cool and smart people, and and I was a busboy. I was got hired as a busboy, low kind of first job or not, you know, yeah, I didn't have waiter experience really. Um, so, and I was just that we were like the inaugural, uh, uh, you know, batch or crew from from this restaurant. Yeah, the ground the ground floor of a new business is really fun. Yeah, because you because you respect your bosses. Yeah, they're doing it. They're just like we're it's going to be hard and it's and uh but it was it was a it was a thing that happens in my life every once in a while uh it happened with like a fifth grade teacher it happens with a, 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 a somebody in high school there'll be like one person that really takes a shine to me and this guy jim took a real like uh like really liked me and really wanted to help me and like was really interested in what I wanted to do and was like a, a bit of a mentor, you know, um, even though it, it was just working at his restaurant, but he was really right. interested and, and cared about me and cared about a lot of the people there too. But so it just became like a home and it became like a really nice environment where you'd work a shift and the restaurant would close and you'd stay and drink at the bar, you know, and uh -huh. uh, eat, you know, eat there and you'd go there when you weren't working to see people. And it was like a great home base. That's great. I also had a, my favorite teacher of all time was a fifth grade teacher. And I look back and kind of cringe at this moment. Her name was Mrs. V. I was working in a movie theater. I was probably 16. So I'm probably, you know, five years removed from fifth grade. And, you know, I tore her ticket. She came to the movie and I just like told her, I was like, Mrs. V, I wouldn't be where I am today without you. And I'm like, literally, 16 yeah. working in a movie theater and she's like oh okay <laughs> well that's sweet i mean it i did something similar with that my fifth grade teacher in college i reached out to her and and called her and i mean i can't i can't imagine they they don't like that i think that's no happen. no i'm sure it meant a lot but it was just like in my head i was like look at me i've got a job i got a good head on my shoulders in the industry here 
Yeah, I'm in the movie industry. Uh, is that place still open? It is. Uh, Beaumont, yeah, in uh, Philadelphia on 6th and Bainbridge. And they, the guys then went on to, um, they're now, uh, own, they own or they operate, I guess they own and operate Tavern on the Green in New York, a very famous Tavern on the Green. I think if, I mean, yeah, I've heard of it. I yeah. don't know if I've been. It's like in Central Park. It's like this, it's been in all sorts of movies. It's kind of this fancy-ish uh, staple New York you know, you can get like a beer in there, right? I'm sure they have a bar. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> they have a bar, but no beer. Okay, Your listeners will be laughing at you because it, it's sort of like it's like the Empire State Building of restaurants in New York. But I live there, and I hung out in Central Park. I just don't. You know, Tavern on the Green. You're, you're just having a, a some re, some kind of mental. I think I was just bringing my own beer, so I didn't need any <laughs> other beer. I was always walking around with a backpack. Filled with beers in New York. Um, okay, so that's that's awesome. So this guy's nice. You, he's cool. You're meeting Eric. Uh, yeah. You're learning film. Um, like, what? How do you guys like start making the shit that like leads to everything you've made? Well, we we made stuff a little bit in college. Again, mostly like just kind of fuck, fucking around and you know filming prank phone calls or just making little things and um but not really so much in college and we graduated and stayed i stayed in philly for a little bit working at the restaurant i did some theater which was fun like i used to do theater in high school and i did some theater with the uh, people i met through that that mm -hmm. uh, that restaurant um, oh wait I, just one quick you you know both these guys so you know zach cannon who makes i think you should leave with tim yeah uh and um, which you're incredibly funny in. And you know Mike O'Brien, who's an incredibly funny comic. Mm -hmm. He made AP Bios on SNL. Yeah. I saw Zach, speaking of print calls, I love print calls too. Zach was trying to say the Jerky Boys wasn't funny. And O'Brien had a full right. meltdown right, of right. like, they're incredible. You're wrong. <laughs> and it was, it was just like a 4 a.m. You know, writing night where right. just two guys are, are like, and O'Brien was incensed. And I was with O'Brien. I was like, the jerky boys are incredible. Well, I mean, it's a, is it a, I wonder if it's a generational thing. Is Zach like miss it? Like, in I don't, I just think he was like, there's no jokes. And O'Brien is like, it doesn't matter. It was funny. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that was huge as my, from when I was a kid. Was okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I was just like, you know, both these guys and, and yeah. sorry. Okay. So you're, you guys are making prank phone yeah. calls. I decide a few friends of mine, um, this is like 1999, some friends of mine moved to New York um, because they were just like Philly's dead. And uh, we, we're going to try to get jobs and, you know, the more closer to the entertainment industry. And uh, I wanted, I was like, maybe I should move to New York and try take a shot at acting and, and writing and being a creative person, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and maybe, and I think acting was kind of on my mind because I'd done some theater and, so anyways, I get a, I moved to New York because my, like I said, my friends were moving there and Eric stayed in Philly because he had a job as a kind of a wedding photographer. Oh um, yeah. I got to get him up. And a videographer and uh, bar mitzvahs and that kind of stuff. So he has, he was building like a little small business actually kind of doing that uh, right out of college. And um, but we were still tight and we would talk and we'd throw around ideas and he had kind of gathered some equipment by doing 
this work, he had gotten a camera and some editing software and stuff. So I would come and visit and, and as sort of rec for sort of recreational purposes, we'd try to make something together. Um, and that became really fun. And, and we just got a kick out of doing it and, and showed it to some friends and they were into it. And meanwhile, I um, was, you know, I think I landed in New York and immediately was like, I have to get a job. And that's the kind of the, obviously this kind of becomes the, par the paradox of moving to New York to try to do something creative is you immediately have to get a job. And then that time gets, that time disappears right. to actually go and do auditions or whatever. I don't know. I'm sure, I mean, obviously people figure it out, but for me, I just got like trapped in a, I went to a temp agency and then I started getting temp jobs, working in offices, um, you know, not good experiences. No, uh, the tip, like being a temp is just like, uh, uh, scan, a, scan 2000 documents. Right. Well, it's also like first day of school every day or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, that, everything is. And then you get up to the 12th floor and they're like, who are you? Hey, I'm Tim. Ah, hi, Tim. Uh, this is Joan. This is Tom. And we basically need you to do this. And then, yeah. yeah and then you're like, should I come back tomorrow or what? what you know. But then I got, I had a job at working for his club called the Knitting Factory, but it was really doing this data entry for their website. Wait, so the Knitting Factory that yeah. was, when I lived in New York, the best comedy show in America. That yeah. one? Yeah, yeah. It, it's it, like it, a cool music venue. Yeah, it was in, um, it was in Lower Manhattan. Oh, no, this is not the Knitting Factory. The Knitting Factory that, that Hannibal Burris ended up running was in Williamsburg. They moved to Williamsburg. So okay, they, stopped, okay. they were in Lower Manhattan, and they were kind of like a experimental jazz a lot of jazz, a lot of indie rock, a lot of interest. It was a very cool place. Right. Yeah. I love the Knitting Factory. Yeah. But they, they, um, they had like an internet side business that was, this is really funny. Uh, they, this was, like, again, like 2000, the year 2000. So web is just becoming like a thing that everyone, like the web bubble or whatever, and um, the internet bubble. And uh, they started a website, uh, a website called Jazz E dot com jazz e and it was uh it was like a jazz database it was like you know you go there and search up uh miles davis or something and sure and so we would me and about five other guys my cousin kalu who's was very close i was very close with she worked there i think she might have got me the job another guy that i'm still very close with we all sat in this conference room on computers transcribing uh like you know biographies of jazz musicians into okay here and again another one of those jobs where we maybe would get through three of them or something you know with that and the rest would be clowning around and right oh so do you have a history of jobs in entertainment but you don't get to be a part of it no exactly <laughs> but that, that made you know it started making sense i think i was gravitated to and i could you know you'd pick it up pick up things about it but then that, somehow through that job, I got this other job that became this thing that I was stuck in for like three years. Or oh. And that was a, working for a company called the Entertainment Software Rating Board. What? It was the ESRB, which anybody that plays games, video games. will. Oh, yes. Isn't that what rates the games? E for everyone, M for mature. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I got a job working for that company. 
Okay. The job I had was I was the assistant to the woman that ran the uh, advertising enforcement wing of the company, which simply meant we were in charge to make, we were sort of tasked with making sure the companies were using the, the logos appropriately. Okay. And this is like, just this- managing, literally managing the PDF file or whatever the file was of the logo that said E for everyone and making sure that was being used the right way. And this is peak Grand Theft Auto. Yes. This was like, that's why this company kind of came into existence because gov- the government was like, you guys have to rein this in. You guys have to somehow control this insanity that you've created. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, Monitor yourselves. I got Grand Theft Auto from my parents in like ninth grade and, and I'm immediately having sex with a prostitute in the car yeah. thinking yeah. they don't know what they bought me. <laughs> yeah. So I was not into games. I'm not into games now. I have no interest in it. And uh, I, another job where I uh, quickly- Wait, figured- was there any, was there any uh, video games that you had to be like, look guys, you got to put it in a, is there like, does any stand out? I didn't even like, see, it's a little confusing. I wasn't, in, I wasn't, I had nothing to do with the content of the games. It was only the content, like how the how they were advertised. So oh, okay. really only just about like how they were using the, the stupid logo. Uh, <laughs> but, and, and it was just like, you know, political kind of bureaucratic kind of like, but I figured out my boss was kind of not present either. Okay. Kind of, she was her own ball of wax, but I mean, that's, um, that's the dream. Yeah. And I, well, we, she was complicated, but, uh, but we, (laughs) she was not an easy person to work for, but I also figured out that I could kind of also not do my job. I, my job, part of my job was kind of watching TV, uh, taping TV and watching for, for the advertising of the games and sort of in, monitoring to make sure they were being the the logo the e for everyone was being displayed appropriately and i just realized <laughs> after a week of doing that nobody's looking at this work nobody is double checking what i'm doing i'm just i'm just gonna watch cnn and uh yeah <laughs> and like i had two tape i had two vcr tape machines that i was supposed to be taping tv all and she'd come and be like why are you watching the news like oh they might i don't know they oh i just i just i just turned it off uh i just i'm rewinding the t- you know i just lie and yeah adults play video games i don't know what commercials coming up yeah and i would do this for oh and again i think people i was people liked me there i got along well with people that worked there and but i wasn't really doing much of a much of anything right but three years of just kind of chilling yeah, and I, I would have these like moments of like pure terror and anxiety. Like, what am I fucking doing? Like, what am I gonna do? Yeah, I can't keep doing that. And I would see guys that were older than me that worked there, and you'd start seeing them age. Yeah, you know, and and get like more and more kind of their shoulders would sag a little bit. And anyways, it was. Uh, I just stuck with it. And, but the thing that I did do while I was there was continue to write with Eric and we used instant messenger, uh, AOL instant messenger, like all throughout the day to write or plan 
or talk about what we wanted to do. And then once we had a, a bunch of stuff kind of made, we, I kind of used the office as my office. So I would be printing out labels, mailing tapes, you know, using the, po- the, using the mail room basically as my right. little distributor. One, one time at, I had an office job and I found out that there were templates of, um, you could give awards like, like in Microsoft office, it was like awards or whatever, you know, like, uh, uh, congratulations on a black belt for Mark's Taekwondo. And I decided I was going to just going to give myself a bunch of awards <laughs> and I was like, congratulations, Brooks Whelan, uh, Mark's Taekwondo. And I printed it and then it went over to this printer used by, you know, 60 people and the printer jammed and they want their, it's proof I'm not working. And I just had to be like, oh, no. <laughs> hey, everybody, sit back down. I'll deliver what you printed, and I'll fix it. was a nightmare. Well, I think there's this ma- major shift that happened in my life uh, about halfway through that job, um, like towards the end, I think, honestly. But it was, it was, I was still really didn't have any options. I don't know if we had kind of talked to anybody. Like we, our first contact outside of, you know, the – somebody that saw it was Odenkirk, Bob Odenkirk. And he immediately was like, I want to see, I want to help you guys. And that sort of changed everything. But before that happened, I remember I went on vacation with my girlfriend and we went to, went to Mexico for a week. And this is again, pre smartphones and pre like always being online. I was pretty much offline for about a week. And I, towards the end of the, or towards the end of vacation, I went to like an internet cafe and looked into my email and I saw an email from my boss and it was like, what the fuck have you been doing for the past two years here? And it was somehow she was getting shit because whatever I had been supposed to be doing, she had discovered that I had been, you know, and it was this terror, it was this terror like, fuck, I... I'm fucked. How am I going to explain this? And I still, I think that like bore into me this feeling of like looking at my phone being like, what is it going to be now? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh man. Right. Yeah. So then you like, dude. Um, so you, you go, you go back to your girlfriend and she was like, how was the thing? You're like awful. Yeah. I I'm, I'm, I have a cold sweat and yeah. I'm going to go back to be fired, you know, but I, I wasn't, I talked my way out of it. I don't know what I said. <laughs> Dude, I got fired while my parents were visiting from Iowa when I was living oh. in Los Angeles. I came home at the mid, like Monday at like noon. Uh, and I was a, I was a biomedical engineer. I came home and my mom was like, how was work? I go, terrible. I don't <laughs> work there anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I've ever been. I mean, I, I was fired a couple times. I was fired once from, I uh, skipped over this part, but before I moved to New York, I had a, uh, a little in Philly, uh, right out of college, I got a job as a prop master on a movie. Uh, what a movie? movie. It was, it's uh, called Kimberly. And it was like a romantic comedy with Sean Astin. I don't, I think it came out, but it was not, it was just this like nothing movie that, uh, it was, but it was a, a first time job for me. I got, yeah. it was neat. It was really fun. And uh, I would not, I was, you know, I had not really any interest in like the art department or the 
prop department necessarily, but it was kind of an entry level job. It was assistant prop master. Okay. And I did a I did my job as best I could. And, you know, it was basically going around buying stuff, buying like. Yeah, that's fun. Any anytime you get to leave the premises, it's incredible. It was fun, but it was also. Uh, it was set in modern times, so it was nothing like. It was like, oh, go get a salad bowl, go get a roller blades, or whatever, you know. Right. So it got a little old, but it was just managing managing it and being on set, and it was really fun. I loved it because it was the first time being on a movie set, and you got to feel that sort of camp feeling of like hanging out with the same people every day. Right. But then after that, it was like, oh, cool. Next, there's another uh, film coming in to town called uh, Jesus, Jesus's Son, which is this movie that came out with uh, Billy Crudup and a number of other people. It was kind of like a indie, like a very dark indie movie about, it was, but it was set in the 70s and it was kind of a drug movie. It was about these like junkies. I think Billy Crudup only does movies set in the 70s. Yeah, he's, he's, he's primed for it. Yeah. But uh, I was hired as the prop master and the, the, the art director, production designer was coming in from New York, but they had hired me to start a couple of weeks early. And again, no internet, no like, you know, Yelp or anything like that. No real knowledge of what I was doing, but um, a 70s drug movie and just me driving around with the yellow pages in Philly looking for vintage shit. And after about a week, the production designer came in and saw kind of what I had amassed by then. <laughs> very politely said, I think we need to bring someone on with a little more experience. Okay, that's and a I, nice thing. I spent like three days trying to figure out how you get a syringe. And I was like, I couldn't figure it out. I was like, I don't know how you, you know, I called hospitals and they're like, no. What are you talking about? No, I can't. You're, you need to be a doctor or whatever. <laughs> Anyway, so I, it was like, I felt kind of down. I was like, oh, man. But then you moved to New York and you're working for the ESRB or whatever. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you come back from Mexico. You talk your way back into that job. But then Odenkirk, Odenkirk sees what you guys do, what you guys yeah. have been doing. Yep. And that's about, a, that's about six months of, uh, or, you know, maybe almost a year of back and forth between him and, we went out to visit LA to meet him in person. We, we had another connection at adult swim that came through and, you know, as soon as you get one guy, right. You know, you can, st you can just say his name and be like, Oh, we're working with Bob Odenkirk right now. And right. <laughs> so that, that help goes a long way. So we, we got this uh, very sort of meager, which by the way, how insane because to, to you and me, comedy fucking legend, and now leading man now, dramatic household, actor. Household name, yeah, household name. But like as a dramatic actor, like it's just like, you know, so right. wild. So wild, but also, yeah, you're right, because people I would tell had, I had to exp kind of go through a whole explanation about who he was. Right, and now you're like, oh, no, he's like the best actor ever. Yeah. He's, he's incredible. All right, so so you go out, and then you guys get to start making Tom Goes to the Mayor? Or, or Yeah, we get this development deal. It's funny because we got a development deal to write a pilot, and okay. it was, you know, something like $14,000 that was Eric and I would split. Yeah. That was it, and it was, that was the, there was no promise that we were making it even. It was just like write it, you know. But with that, we were so 
you know, sort of uh, naive. Uh, we just were like, you know what? This is the opportunity to do it. Let's move to LA. Yeah. Let's go all in on this. And, you know, Eric was looking to get out of Philly. I was looking to get out of my job. And we felt like if we could just jump all in on this, Bob would be out there. We'd need, we wanted to like physically, uh, uh, we wanted to be close to him so that he could help produce it. Yep. We're closer with him. So it made a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. I remember always thinking as a kid, like I don't want to come out to this crazy place unless I'm invited in some way. I don't want right. to come here and, because I'd interned out here when I was in college, we did, did a couple little things there, and I knew it. Just there was there was a there was a world of like, no disrespect to these people, but of grips and PAs and and guys that are working in on on movies, but feel but also feel like not, have nothing to do. With I just wanted to make stuff. I wanted right. to be I wanted to be creative. I didn't want to have a job. I didn't want to have any more jobs where I was working for somebody you know, moving shit around or anything. I just yeah, 1000%. Um, I also, okay, this is just also, my girlfriend is uh, four years younger than me, but this, I'm- Nice. <laughs> nice, yeah. But like, so for me, I'm like, uh, for me, Adult Swim, and this is just like bringing it, because I don't care about any of your success. I just want to hear about it before it. But, uh, yeah. but I was just like, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Like for me, Aqua Teen Hunger Force was high school. Taped it, taped it, taped it. And right. then she's like, no, Tim and Eric. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. we are literally for, like, we, that's the different, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's just like, yeah. So she, yeah, I mean, when I told her, that, I was like, Tim's coming on. She's like, oh, my Tim. And I was like, okay, yeah. And now she's hiding in the other room because she's nervous during this interview. Oh, well, I'm a, I'm a puppy dog. You know, I know, I know, I know. But she's just like so stoked. Like, I'm like, we've had, like, anyway, uh, thanks for, I don't know. I, I guess it was just my way of saying your show is incredible. Um, but the one thing I do want to talk to you about that I normally don't get into anything was goddamn Mr. America, which oh. uh, we had to get tickets to see a 10.50 a.m. showing because it was sold out at the Alamo Draft House downtown. And it was... Yeah. Well, they only have seven seats in those. I mean... I mean- <laughs> <laughs> I, I I was always excited with it when it does that, but those Alamo theaters are really quite small. So, but I appreciate that. It's not but it, going to see it in the theater. It was so fun, and I ran into like I ran into other friends there who I didn't even know were going, and it was just like a ten in the morning Sunday movie. And when you and Greg come on, <laughs> and you are a and because I, I tried to watch it on Hulu just to see if you did the thing that people watch it on Hulu that you did <laughs> in the theater, your character comes on and you go, if you're here alone, you're fucking weird. Uh, <laughs> oh, we made like a special video intro video for yeah. the theater. Yeah, yeah, that's not on Hulu where it's just Greg is like goofing yeah. and you're just really dogging the audience. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. I don't think I've ever even seen. I might have seen it once, but uh, it it like it like set the tone that I kind of. I mean, not to tell you or Hulu what to do, but I was like, I was bummed when it wasn't on Hulu. I was like, man, that just was so goddamn funny. funny and also, Eric just sent me a a video because he was watching. He he was like on. He filmed this on his off his TV, but he on Hulu it said like movies uh movies for you or some recommends for you or whatever, and it was like. Uh, waiting for Guffman, 
best in show, Mr. America. And he was just like, look at this, dude. Look at that. <laughs> I was like, that's crazy. It, dude, man, the scene where you – I also just had Mark Prokes on, who is, I think we can agree, maybe the yeah. funniest human being of all time. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the scene where you black out and concede the election, <laughs> and then the next day say, I should probably concede. Yes. Oh, thank you for picking up. But there are, you know, there are so many, um, you know, I guess under the radar or under over your head or whatever, small things that we cherish and love in that movie that I'm like, come on, that's fucking, that's the man. Like, <laughs> full like, black. Nobody, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, and then our other friend, Tim Robinson, like we talk about it often where his, that's my favorite thing. <laughs> His favorite is when you get too high off your vape pen and have to pull over. <laughs> I can't see. Now, <laughs> you know this about the movie. You might not know, but if you do, you know, but we shot that movie in three days. Do you know that? I did not know that. I didn't know. Also, I was, I like, I was aware of on movies, uh, but I didn't, or, you know, what, it's, what's it called? On cinema. On cinema. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I knew about it, but I didn't know the fucking arc that you guys yeah. had created over the last decade. Uh, yeah. So you it's shot. Well, it's kind of cool that you watched it without knowing all that stuff. I mean, I, we were hoping that that would work, you know, that people that weren't following every step of the way. Would right. Be because my friend, uh, this guy, Whitmer Thomas, like he's a huge on cinema fan. Mm. And we had met there and I was like, this is the funniest movie I've ever seen. And then he was like, oh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, right. what the fuck are you talking about? So <laughs> then I went home and, re and watched all of oh my God. On Cinema and was like, I wish I had seen this before I saw it, but it's also fine to not see it. Yeah, it was yeah. So oh, that's nice. And yeah, three days, it was going to be just like an internet thing, like a, another episode, basically. And then we just kept going and it all kind of worked. I mean, dude, three days. And also, just, I, I mean, I'm just going to nerd out. Constantly eating McDonald's and drinking Bud Light. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best thing about, like, the way that movie worked was it was so small. It was so improvisational and so, like, off our gut. We had certain, a lot of things planned out. But, you know, me just being in that hotel room and being like, some, someone run out and get me a bag of McDonald's because I think he should be eating McDonald's. And it was just like, that was just how it went. You know, it was just like <laughs> not a lot of thought, but also everyone has such good instincts about it. And we know the character so well because we've been doing it for a decade, you know? Yeah. But it was just like, great. Like everything, everything made sense. <laughs> I mean, okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, listeners, if you haven't watched it, watch Mr. America. It's on Hulu right now. Uh, I watched it last night and it was just like, the fucking best. What I will say I don't like about the Alamo Draft House, not Mr. America, is you can't just get a small popcorn. They make you get, and I was like, this feels appropriate for Greg. Greg right. would like this giant. But it was there's like, oh. thing that happened in the news the other day that, well, every, you know, everything, there's so much stuff that happens. We're like, oh, this is right out of a scene of the movie. Like the Kanye not getting the signatures. And then there was Kanye uh, for, to run for president and Kanye didn't get uh he he looked like they were forged you know and like right. 
all these things. There was something that happened. I can't remember. Something yesterday. <laughs> yeah, because you and you and your campaign manager, and now I'm just telling you parts of your movie. I like, which I'm sure doesn't hurt at your feelings. Uh, huh? It's like calling back your fifth grade teacher and saying you did a good job. But when you and your campaign manager are just making up names, yeah, <laughs> and changing pens or something. Oh, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> It is really funny, man. It, I, I like that was my favorite movie. I, uh, the I was thinking the other day, like really sad, uh, because the last movie I saw in theater was Little Women, and I did not want to go. And no offense, I fucking hated it. Because yeah. um, away from me too, I don't know. I mean, well, basically, it's about girls daring the civil. Bob Odenkirk is in it. Yeah. It, as a man in the Civil War, and then it's just these girls who are flirting with other guys who, in my brain, should be also fighting in the Civil War. I'm like, what are they doing at these fancy parties? They're dads at the Civil War. Uh, so uh, I, that's the last movie I saw. And then the last fucking concert I saw was uh, The Dead in Company with John Mayer that I also was drugged to. And I'm like, those are my last two yeah, but not your 0 for 2 with entertainment. But the, but the one movie before Little Women was Mr. America, and I fucking loved it. Thanks, man. And listeners should check it out. Um, and Tim, uh, I know that you are a giant listener of Entry Level, and you listen to every episode, and you take notes. Yes. Uh, so you know, obviously, I always let the guest take us out. Well, everybody, this has been a pleasure. I love strolling down my own memory lane. Uh, Brooks, I appreciate you inviting me onto the show. My podcast, Office Hours Live. Oh, shit, shit. I forgot to prom- – let's, let's – let's, okay. No, I'm happy to do it. No, but listen to Office Hours Live. I forgot that you, I, you need to pr- – I forgot. I, I was just like nerding out over Mr. America. Listen it's, to uh, Tim's not And Dick Berger, uh, the, the Holy Trinity, the three of us have a lot of fun. We love to laugh. Yeah, incredible. All right, well, Tim, thanks a bunch, man. I, I really, really appreciate it. Pleasure talking to you. Take care. See ya.